it's good to see all of you here tonight. We did get, uh, I think, I think winter, at least uh, it's making an effort to hit us. Uh, today is a nice and cool day. Uh, this quarter we're going to be studying developing a great church. Um, and I prepared for you a copy of the agenda uh, for the quarter back in the back. Be sure to pick you up one of those and you'll have, um, each week you'll know what the lesson is going to be about. But I will not put the lessons out ahead of time. Uh, next week we will cover lesson two, three, four, right on down the, down the road like that. Uh, we have a couple of things we want to uh, mention before we have a prayer. And Brother Jeff Knuckles is going to lead our opening prayer for us in a few moments. But we want to think about several people who have had surgery. Nora um, Albright had her surgery, and we think that it was successful. She's home recovering. Uh, Megan's dad, uh, he's recovering from his surgery still. Uh, Megan says not behaving himself all that well, probably, but he'll, he'll get straightened out. Um, who else did we talk about? Zach Rosito, uh, the Rosito's grandson, had, had surgery with it today, Friday. And uh, very serious surgery, and so they're still uh, trying to figure out what all that's going to mean as far as um, uh, his, his treatment from here on out from that surgery. Uh, we want to remember Briley Waddell, uh, Sandy's grand, grand, granddaughter. She, I think, had her last chemotherapy or was scheduled to have it like right now. And uh, we want to be praying for her that she makes a complete recovery. Uh, actually, Briley has asked us also to remember a friend of hers by the name of Savannah who they discovered had cancer about the same time, who's about the same age, but it's not operable. So we want to pray for that family too. And I don't know their last name, but the little girl's name is Savannah. So let's be thinking about her tonight too. Uh, as as wintertime comes, uh, you know, we have colds and flu and sniffles and all kinds of stuff, and that's kind of going around too. So we want to be thinking about that. Purpose Sunday comes up Sunday. We want to be thinking about that and praying about that and thinking about our presentation of work, which comes early next year. So we have a lot, first off, to be thankful for, and then we have a lot to pray about and ask God's help on. So, Jeff, if you would at this time go ahead and please start our class with prayer.
Amen. <clears throat> I, I, I'll tell you a quick story uh, before we actually get into the lesson. About, um, about two months ago, I, I lost my wedding ring. Uh, I have worn that wedding ring for more than 45 years. Uh, so, <clears throat> of course, I was pretty upset about it. But I, I bought that set of rings from Hereford's Diamond Factory here in town. And I went back to Herford's, and I, the lady that waited on me, I told her, I said, you may not remember me, but I was in here 47 years ago. She said, I wasn't even alive 47 years ago. <laughs> so she, she didn't remember me. But just an interesting thing about that was, is they had the original contract that I signed back in 1971. Uh, and, and every payment that I made on that ring until it was paid for. And they have the design, and they're going to make me a new one eventually. So that's good. Now, the reason I told you that was because 20 years ago, we had this lesson. Does anybody remember that? 20 years? Good. That's okay. Then we won't be able to have a problem here. All right. So take a look, at, if you will, at the, at the topics that we're going to be studying for the next 13 weeks. Uh, actually, actually, it'll be 12 weeks because one week we will have a devotional. And so somewhere we will double up on our lessons. And I'm not real sure exactly where that's going to come, but we'll, we'll try to point that out when we get there. Uh, so, uh, you know, if you were to ask someone in the world today, just someone you know, a friend of yours, what would it take to, to really build a great church? What do you think some things people might say would be? In the world, what do you think people think in the world that goes into a great church? A good sound system. Thank you, brother. Yeah. yeah. Uh, normally you hear things like, oh, something that everybody in my family can benefit from, something good for the kids, maybe a big, big spacious building, a church that's got lots of money. Uh, you know, uh, that could do all kinds of things. I, I, what I'm just pointing out to you is that the, the world's idea of the church is probably a lot different than God's idea of the church. The world seems to have its own ideas about what needs to go into the church and what it takes to make a great church. But really, when you stop and think about it and decide, and we look at where the church comes from and whose idea it was and why God created it, we come back to the fact that unless it's following God's plan, unless it's a church that's following God's plan and God's word, it's not going to be a great church. It may be a great big church. In, in the denominational sense, it may be a great big church, but it may not, but it wouldn't be a great church in the eyes of God. So we want to begin our study tonight by studying and looking back just what well let's let's try to understand exactly what we can about the church. We're not talking about the size of the church. We're not talking about uh, the public acclaim it has. Uh, we mean a church that is truly what? Honoring God. That's what, that's what we're talking about. And not only is he honoring God, but we honor God by trying to follow his word and strive to do what he desires for us to be. So before we can develop a great church, we have to understand exactly what, what is the church. And the church, you know, the church, a lot of times when people talk about their church, they're going to church, they're talking about they're going to a building where the church meets. So whenever we talk about the church at Graver Road, we're not talking about this facility that we're in. We're talking about you and I as members of the church. We are the church. 
Individually, we make up the church. So effort is needed if, if a church is to be great. It's understanding, uh, understanding will lead to appreciation, uh, and appreciation will also produce effort on our parts. So the first thing we have to understand is to be to develop a great church, you're going to have to have people who are willing to follow God's rules concerning what it takes to make a church. And you can't have a great church if you don't have people who are dedicated to making it a great church, working together. Look at, if you will, at some of the topics that we'll be talking about for the next 13 weeks. Next week, we're going to talk about appreciating my part in the church. I, I think that we both have to, we all need to understand that uh, if the church is going to be great, it's not going to be because of one person's efforts. It's going to be because of, it's going to be by all of our efforts, all of our efforts working together, joining together, following God's will. So we need to appreciate exactly what, what part do I play in the church? And we all have a part. There's, all, there's something for each and every one of us to do in the church. So we're going to talk about sharing a united fellowship, teaching God's word, showing concern for each other, sending the light, conducting meaningful worship, visiting for Christ. We're going to have to spend some time talking about dealing with problems. Do you think a great church would have problems? Yeah, Janice and I were talking about just a few minutes ago. You know, if you have people, and and we've already said the church is made of people, right? People have problems, so we're going to have to deal with some problems in the church. But we're going to talk about caring for the needy, standing for truth, facing a hostile world. I think that's kind of an interesting study. When we get down to the end, to think about the first century Christians lived in a hostile world. They not only were opposed by the Jewish, uh, the Jews at that particular time, but, but not, not long after, uh, or even before the first century was out, they were having to deal with an oppressive government in the Roman government. So what about today, in today's world? Is, do, does the church today face some, some hostile uh, things in the church? And the answer to that is yes. And unfortunately, it comes sometimes from armed government. You know, we live in the land that, that, that of freedom, and we have all these great rights and freedoms granted to us, and yet, as we look at what's being done in our country today, we realize that some of the laws being made are not are not beneficial to the church. And, and that's the thing, so we'll talk about that. Uh, the last lesson talks about penetrating the community, which was really a neat uh, closing session for our, our last group because we, we studied this lesson just before Friends Day. And it worked out just perfect to talk about uh, reaching out in the community, penetrate the community, uh, and, and then talk about our Friends Day in conjunction with that. Um, if, you, if you study the word, the, the word church actually comes from a Greek word, ekklesia. Uh, that, that's what we find in our Bible. And it actually means the called out, or those who are summoned forth. And so we're going to take a look at some scripture together that points out the fact that as individual members of the church, as we are the church, we have to understand that we are called out of the world. We're called out to be, we're going to find out a different kind of people. We're going to find that out just a little bit later. Let's understand first off that there, there's two senses in which the church, uh, the word church is used in the New Testament. The, 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 the universal sense of the church talks about the saved in the church the world over. And then of course, Sometimes it refers to an individual 
place, like the church that meets at Ephesus, or the church in Thessalonica, or the church in Philadelphia. So sometimes the word is referring to the church as a whole in the universal sense, and sometimes it's referring to a particular group of people meeting in a particular place, the church at Galatia. All right. So first off, let's take a look at the fact that it, we're called out. Uh, and, and I've got these verses on, on your on your outline there, and we're not, I, I've, I've yet to get through a full outline. I will just tell you that. I haven't, haven't done it yet. And I probably won't. So, but the verses are there, so I want you to be sure to take a look at those this week if you get a chance. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, in verse 2, Paul would write to the church, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call in the name of the Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. So he talks about those in the church that are sanctified, set apart, and who are called to be saints. So that's that, that's that definition of being called out. Meaning that we, we cannot... We cannot be a part of the world and live in the world and be a part of the world and be the kind of church that God wants us to be. He says he wants you to be, he wants us to be different. Called out of what? Called out of darkness, called into light. Called out of the world, out of a world of sin, into, into the, 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 the church itself. Let's look at a couple of other verses. Not only, it's not just a calling, but it's a divine calling. A divine calling. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses, uh, verse 10, and someone might find that before I do. If you do, that's fine. You could read that. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10. Reads, But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a little while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Once again, so there's a couple of things we learned about that guy. First off, that um, but the God of all grace who called us by uh, to His eternal glory, okay, to His eternal glory, and He called us to that, okay. So, uh, writing to the first century Christians, Peter was was trying to tell Christians there those called out. He said, look. There, there's going to be some difficult times. The first century Christians had some difficult times. We talked about some of the oppression they faced. And, and I think if people are writing to the church in Rosenberg today, he would be able to tell us today the same thing. He said, you need to know that it's not going to always be that easy. That there's people in the world who are going to hate the church. There's people in the world who are going to despise us for the beliefs that we have and the truths that we hold on to. Uh, so when we think about being called, we think about, well, how... How are we called? Are we going to receive a vision? Are we going to receive someone whispered in our ear? Just exactly how does this calling take place? If you take a look at 2 Thessalonians, Paul writing to the church there in chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, he kind of explains this idea of being called out. That's uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Paul would say, but we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we are called out of the world 
And how are we called? We are called through the gospel. And, and that's whenever we think about the fact that, you know, Jesus paid the price so that all men everywhere could be saved. And, and don't you know that was really God's plan? God would love for all people everywhere to be saved. Jesus paid the price to make that happen. By the shedding of his blood, by his dying upon the cross, he, he made, the, made it possible for all men everywhere to be saved. But how is that going to come to be? Well, there again, we have to understand that in order to be saved, we, there are certain requirements that we're going to have to do, right? And those requirements are found in his word. He's not going to whisper them to you. He, he's not going to uh, disclose them to you on the billboard, but it's through the gospel. And Paul would say, when he wrote to the church at Rome, Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he said that he was not ashamed of that gospel because in that gospel is the power of God to save mankind from their sins. So we're not called by dreams, visions, or miracles. We're called uh, into fellowship and peace, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. If you were holding that place, uh, Paul would go on to say, God is faithful by whom you are called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So we find out from this particular verse that the church is, is established by the, the blood of Jesus Christ. And by obeying the gospel that's in, in the word of God, and in performing those steps and becoming Christians, we are called into a fellowship, a fellowship with his blessed son, Jesus himself. So uh, it's, it's, it's a very special place that we occupy in the church to think about the fact that we were purchased by the blood of God's son and the fact that we're called into a fellowship with him. Joint, in fact, we find written, in other words, joint heirs with Christ. Joint heirs with Christ in this. So, uh, so we're called into fellowship and we're called into peace. Um, in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 23 through 25, Paul writes to the church, and you might remember this particular verses because well, at, you hear these verses read at a lot of weddings, right? Ephesians chapter 5, verses 23 through 25, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for us. So when you think about the, 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 the price that was paid for to establish the church, the price that was paid for my sins and for your sins was the precious blood of Jesus. And Paul would use this great analogy of Christ and the church to talk to husbands and wives about the way they should love each other, um, which which is which is a great study in and of itself. We hear those words read a lot of times at a lot of weddings. Okay, so um, <clears throat> once again we point out the fact that the church could be talking about the saved of the whole world, or the church could be talking about the group of Christians who meet at is it nineteen ten Graver Road, nineteen ten Graver Road and. People ask me sometimes, and I say 1901 half the time. I don't know why I get that wrong. But, or you could be talking about that group of Christians who are meeting at 1910 Graver Road, and that would be you and I. And are we still the church? We're still the church. We are the church. We're the church that meets at this location. Membership of the church is necessary to please God. 
uh, perhaps you may have heard someone say uh, at one time or another, uh, you know, Christ, yes, I want Christ in my life, but I don't need a church. Well, how, how, how does that work? How would it work that you could have Christ in your life, but you don't feel that you need the church? When we start to understand exactly how precious the church was to God and, and, and what he paid for the church, and to think a person might say, well, I don't, I don't need the church. All I really need is Jesus and my, my association with him. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28, Acts 20, verse 28, we find these words. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. Again, the, the price of the church, it costs Jesus his blood. And, and, and you might recall this particular passage in Acts chapter 20. Paul has called uh, uh, the Ephesian elders together, together to exhort them and to talk to them. In fact, he actually even ends up warning them about some about sometimes problems will come to the church from within the church. As we talked about uh, facing hostile world a while ago, so, sometimes uh, the problems we face actually come from within the church, and we find that out there. So, uh, a membership of the church is necessary to please God. Uh, that tells us that Jesus paid for the church with his blood. If, if, if a person could be saved outside of the church, if a person could be saved uh, any other way besides being in the church, then, then it would have been absolutely unnecessary for Jesus to die. If salvation could have come any other way. But there was no other way. That, that was God's plan from the very beginning of time. He knew that at some point in time, in his plan, that in order to bring you and I into the church, in order to make us part of the saved, that he was going to have to pay a terrible price for that. And that price, of course, was Jesus' blood upon the cross of Calvary. There are, there are some who think or who have said sometimes, well, the, the church is actually an afterthought of God. You know, because because when Jesus came into the world, it, it, he didn't, wasn't able to accomplish what he he wanted to do. So therefore, he set the church up as just kind of as a as a go go between between now and the time when he'd come back again and he would do things right. That's not at all correct. That's false teaching. The church was part of God's plan from the beginning of time. Even back in the Old Testament, there are many writers of the Old Testament. In the book of Psalms and so on, talked about how Gentiles would be a part of God's family. Folks, we're the Gentiles. We're not the Jews. We're the Gentiles. How did we get into the church? How did we get to be a part of God's family? It's because of the great plan that God had for the church. To, for Jesus to shed his blood so that all men could be a part uh, of the church. So, so uh, the, the, the church is pictured in the New Testament as the kingdom. And you stop and think about some of the different designations that we find in the New Testament of the church. We hear the church called, what, the family of God? The Sir? The cornerstone, yeah. And, and you think about each one of these designations, and they, they have some special meaning, right? The, the family of God, the, the church of God, uh, talked about where the saints meet. Uh, it was, sometimes the church is referred to as the temple of God. 
And, and all of these are scriptural terms. In Romans, the last chapter of Romans, Paul had arrived in the church in Rome. He had, he had this to say, and I think it's Romans 16, 16. Uh, yeah, Paul would write to the church. He's, he's kind of, this is his kind of his salutations to, to different Christians and different people who have served him. But he would say in Romans 16, 16, greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. The churches of Christ. So uh, just the, 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 the term church of Christ is a scriptural term. The family of God would be a scriptural term too. The church is pictured in the New Testament in different ways. Uh, to be saved outside of church would mean the salvation was outside of, of all of these things. You could be, if you could be saved without some of those things or outside of those things, again, it was totally unnecessary for Jesus to die. But the truth of the matter is that it could not happen that way. It, it could only happen according to God's plan so that salvation came to you and I. Through the blood of Christ. Through the blood of Christ. What brings us into the church, what makes us members of the church. The, the church, we, we have to remember the church uh, is not a denomination. Very, very different. Whenever you think about the word denomination, what do you think of? Okay, it may be someone, some group of people who are calling themselves maybe Christians who are, are operating under a different name. Rather than the family of God or the church of Christ or the church of God. So they're perhaps wearing somebody's name, right? A denomination. A denomination, when you think about, generally a denomination is not the whole, right? Um, uh, if you take four quarters, four quarters make a dollar. A dollar would be the whole, but the four quarters are just parts of it, right? So the denomination is a human, is a human idea. The, the church... Is God's idea. The church is God's idea. So, uh, we, and we'll, we'll spend some more time talking about that. But the church is divine. We have we have a divine calling. We we have a divine charter. The charter, of course, is right out of the New Testament. We are, we have a divine teaching. It, it's out of God's word. That's what we follow. We don't follow a creed. We don't follow what some man has put together a set of rules. We don't operate under a uh, 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 a group uh, that, that heads itself up in some some place else that tells the Graver Road Church what to do and how to run itself. We operate under the charter of the New Testament and operated by what God has told us to do to be a church. So tonight, I'm, I might get lucky enough to get through some of, of, of uh, some of the questions on the back. Notice, if you will, that I have put on the back of the outline some thought questions. On each on each one of the lessons, uh, so so let's take a look at some of those together tonight. Uh, first off, think about if you will God's forethought in bringing the church into existence. Uh, if you stop and think about that, what does that say about uh, the importance the church occupies in God's mind? If you think about what God gave up to establish the church. Doesn't that tell us how important the church is to God? If, if, he would, if he would have his own son leave heaven, give up, give up his place in heaven, come to the earth to, to walk the streets of, 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 of 
in the first century with all mankind, suffer the things that he was going to have to suffer at the hands of man, be crucified on the cruel cross. And, and God was willing to, to pay that price to establish the church so that the church could be established so that mankind would have the opportunity, you and I would have the opportunity to be a part of that kingdom. Just thinking about that price that God paid for the church should tell us a little bit about exactly how much the church means to God. And, and then we read in Ephesians chapter 5 what that church means to Christ. Christ calls the church his, his bride. And, and of course, whenever you read through that, talk about what at, at the end of time, Christ wants to present to his father, his holy bride. So he, he compares the church to, to be his bride. So we should realize the importance the church has to God. And if it's that important to God, we should realize the part that we play in the church, the part that we have in the church is important to God too. God is not going to be happy with just any and everything that people call religion. And in fact, God is only going to be happy with those of us who follow his teachings in the word. That's what he expects us to do. Uh, so when you think about denominationalism or what the world talks about in religion, what, what would you see wrong with denominationalism? That's right. Yeah. Because there's no sacrifice for anybody under the old law system anymore. It's under Christ. Right. That's right. And, and and even Paul himself would say, you know, why would you want to burden Christians today with the old law that our fathers couldn't keep? And you want to put that on Christians? You want to make maybe have to keep that law? Yes. Very good. Exactly. When you and when you stop, when you look at the religious state of the world, I, I have no idea how many different religions there are in the United States, but I am sure that there are hundreds. I, I don't know how many there are, but I'm sure that there are hundreds. And the interesting thing about it is, you, you have them teaching so. Many different things, right? This religious group teaches different than this religious group than this religion. So there's no there's there's no agreement among them. And then we look at the denominations and we say, well, we're different than all of them. Yes, that's true. We are different than all of them. Now, now I, I'm telling you this: you cannot look at all those different religions the thing they think the things they teach and think they're all right. It's impossible. They could not be all right. Now, could we all be wrong? There's that possibility, right? Now, there's the possibility we could all be, we could all be wrong, but there's no there is no way possible that we can all be right. So, if if that's the truth, then where's the standard? What are we going to measure up to? What are we going to turn to to find out if we're following God's law? We have to go back to the Word, right, Morse? We got to go back to the Word because if God paid the price for the church with his son, 
then Jesus had the right to set the rules for say, okay, this is what's going to happen or has to happen to operate as the church. The church has to do certain things. We know that. We do that here, right here at Graver Road. Uh, in order to be a member of the church, we have to do certain things. And, and those things are spelled out for us clearly in God's word. He didn't, he didn't leave it up for us to decide, well, you can just, what, whatever you want to do. Just whatever you want to do is fine. Just, you just call yourself a Christian. We're all Christians together. That's fine. No, that's, that's not at all. At all God's plan. God said, this, this is my kingdom. Christ said, this is my church. And he said, in order to be a part of this church, these are some things you're going to have to do. So he calls about some things that we have to hear and believe, repent, confess of our sins, be baptized, and he expels all that out for us in the New Testament's pages. And then we can be added to the church. So the church is important to God. He set forth the rules. He made it clear what was necessary for us to be a part of it. Uh, so look at question number four. Since the Bible uses specific terms to identify the church and members thereof, should not we be willing to use some of the same terms today? And, and that kind of goes back to uh, what we call ourselves. And Well, let's, let's call ourselves a biblical name. If, if it's God's church and he's established it, Christ Jesus established it, he's left for us his word to follow, he's given us the names. We do not have the right to choose some other name than what God has given us. And that's part of what's wrong with denominationalism, right? When you have groups calling themselves after this person's name or that person's name or this particular teaching, or it's, it's God's family. It's Christ's church. It should wear Christ's name. It should wear Christ's name. Just as simple as that. So how would you respond to someone if, if they told you, yeah, they're religious, they believe in God, and they have a special relationship with God, but they really don't need to be a part of a church? How would you, how would you answer something like that? I'd say like you did earlier, uh, tell me how that works. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's what, so you, you have this special relationship with God, right? Well, how does God talk to you? You don't go to church. Well, do you read from his word? You, 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 because in his word, has he not told us what the church should do and what's, what, what's you know, the requirements for the church? To yes. Uh, uh, so if he's told us that in his word, and yet you have this special relationship with you, um, you say you don't need the church, but the saved are in the church. Jesus says, that's my bride. That's, that's my body. That's, that's what I died for. And for someone to say, but I don't need the church, that's pretty sad, isn't it? Pretty sad. He did that. Yeah. Yeah, he, he went back, but what else was he doing? Do you think that Paul was going back to see if the church was operating the way it was set up and following following what God has commanded? I, I, that's right. That's exactly right. Not only did he not just go, when people would go there for him or 
Yeah, and when you when you when you when you look at the book of Corinthians, when you start to look at the book of Corinthians, what is Paul addressing in the book of Corinthians? Some discrepancies in the church. He says these are some things that are happening in the church in Corinth that should not be, because he said this is not what we talked about when we established the church. And he would talk about the different problems in Corinth, but and and you know, and you turn to the book of Revelations. And you read about the seven churches in, in the book of Revelations. He addresses those. He says, you know, this is a fine church. It's Smyrna and Philadelphia and so on and so forth. But he would say, I have something against you. You're not doing something. You're not doing everything right. Well, like I said, here at Graber Road, our, our goal, our goal is to follow the plan. Our goal is to turn to God's word, to seek God's word, and follow what God has told us to do. As simple as that. Okay. Absolutely. I think some one of the, that's true. Yeah, exactly. I, I think one of the things that religious groups miss today that when God, when we stand before God, when all mankind stands before God in judgment, God's not going to say, "Okay, well, that sounds like you you followed your your plan there." Y'all are doing good. That's great. God's going to only turn to one place. He's going to turn to the standard, right? He said, this is my word. This is the word that was delivered to you. This is the word that established the church. This is the price that was paid for church. Did you, did you do my will? Everybody's going to have to answer that same question, right? All these religious groups that wear somebody else's name are going to have to answer the fact that they're not wearing Christ's name. And in many cases, or even most cases, they're not following Christ's will. They're not, they're not following the rules laid out and regulations laid out for the church. So our time is almost up, but you can see the, some of the things we're going to be talking about for the next quarter. Uh, if you would, this week in, in, in your study time, uh, you're, you're not going to have the scriptures to look at, but you, you, you could go back and look at none of the scriptures that we didn't discuss on the lesson plan for today. But I, I want you to think about this week and even pray for uh, your part in the church. And, and, ask, and ask yourself this question. In, 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 at the, at the in our Grave Road Church family, how, how can I better serve God in, in doing what I do at the church? In other words, I, I want to I be appreciated in the church, and, and we can all be appreciated by doing what Christians should do, right? But the question is, can we do more? Can we do better? And, uh, you know, think about that this week as you think about uh, the lesson for next week. Uh, I think that we should, number one, count it a, a privilege and a blessing to just be a part of the church. To, to be a part of, of that group of people that Jesus died for. And, and you know, be thankful for the, for, the, for the things that we can do, for the strength that we have. Uh, appreciating your part of the church includes thinking about the leadership of the church and praying for the leadership of the church and praying that we continue to follow the path that God has given us and stay on the right path. And, and uh, so I, I can tell you as an elder, and all the elders here would continue to solicit your prayers, uh, not only for the problems we face every day, but for the work that we have planned for 2018, but, but also for 
our search of looking for a, a minister for this congregation. So we, 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 uh, we solicit your prayers on our behalf in that area too. Any thoughts or comments before the group comes back in from the other classes? And, and a lot of people are making a lot of mistakes today, Morris, right? And, and I don't think God's going to be forgiving of all those things. I, I think that God will turn to the standard and say, this is what I anticipated for the church to do. This is what I commanded the church to do. Either you did it or you didn't do it. Either you did it. The good thing about we Christians today, is not only do we have the saving blood of Jesus Christ to get into the church, but we have that saving blood of Jesus Christ that continues to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Folks, that's a blessing too. Are we going to make up? Are we going to make mistakes and mess up? Yeah, we are. All along the way, right? But God, Christ's blood will continue to cleanse us if we pray for that and ask for his forgiveness. The groups are coming back in right now. So thank you for your being here tonight. We'll take a look at lesson two next week.